0: You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. You don't know how you're supposed to
2: earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret.
0: But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money with Gabby
3: Dunn. Hello. Welcome to this week's Bad With Money mailbag episode. I'm Gabby Dunn. This week I am joined by Mal Blum to react and respond to your messages and emails. Let's Get into it. What is that?
4: It's not an instrument. It's a fidget spinner.
3: Oh, it sounded like a maraca. No, it sounded like a rain stick.
4: (laughs) No, it's a little fidget spinner. But it's um, gold and black, so you, you feel less like a child when you're using it.
3: I thought you lost that one.
4: I did. That's. I mean, this is the thing about having ADHD and having fidget spinners. You lose them all the time, and then you find them random. I just found this here.
3: Whoa. That's kind of a glitch, because I thought I lost it at a restaurant or somewhere public.
4: I had two of I them. I lost so it maybe... at a bar. Oh, I broke it. I broke this one.
3: All right. Well... On today's show, I'm going to read an email from Andy about financial role models, a review about anti-money laundering laws, an idea for a chronic illness episode, and Ferg writes in about their vasectomy. In the second half of the show, I'm going to read an email about Winab, ADHD budgeting, parents buying your debt, special education accommodations, and a reply to our Selling Sunset episode, plus two five-star Apple reviews and an email about workplace accommodations. Okay.
4: Winab. YNAB, YNAB is back.
3: Yeah. What is their marketing like? Because, wow.
4: I just don't believe it. They have like talk.
3: 12 marketing people just writing into this podcast every episode.
4: Maybe. Maybe because like every app I download to help me like goes to the app graveyard of things that I thought could help me. And I have no reason to believe that WineApp would be any different.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, well, let's see what this person said. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Hi, Gabby and Mal. longtime listener. Bonjour. Well, I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Time isn't real. I know you've had your fair share of WineApp emails by now, but hear me out. So I heard about YNAB on your podcast. They got to pay me. And as someone with ADHD (laughs) who is chronically checking their bank account and budgeting accordingly, I'm talking like every other day adjustments. It sounded perfect. A previous listener's email mentioned having a shitty little notebook, and I have a shitty little notebook of my own. I also have upgraded to Google Sheets since hearing that episode. To that listener, thank you for opening my eyes. I liked YNAB so much at first. The envelope method is something that is truly so helpful to my ADHD brain. I mm. like that YNAB's free trial is a little over a month so you can get a good grasp on whether or not it's for you. Not that mm. two-week BS. However, mm. having to pay for it, well, I don't think the price is meant for someone who's more or less living paycheck to paycheck, aka someone who could benefit the most from an app like this. Mm. Even if you have a little left over, rationally, that money is better spent somewhere else.
4: One of the YNAB envelopes just says YNAB.
3: <laughs> right? Whoa. <sighs> I've adapted the YNAB method into my shitty little notebook that's not $14.99 a month. I attached a photo because I can't really describe it, but I kind of use the envelope method using the visual of a tree stemming from my bank's current balance or my payment amount with the branches or envelopes being the bills. You keep subtracting, and at the end, you have what's left over for whatever you want. I hope this makes sense and hopefully helped give someone ideas. Budgeting is hard. I love Bad With Money and JBU, and I hope you know you brighten so many people's days. Kyla, she, her.
4: Wynab should work on commission. They should take a percentage of your profit, and that way.
3: What? How do they know your profit?
4: I don't know. I don't know what Wynab does or doesn't know at this point.
3: Jesus.
4: They seem to be um, ubiquitous.
3: I agree that fourteen ninety nine is a bit much.
4: Am I using the um, word ubiquitous correctly?
3: Ubiquitous means like it's common.
4: Well, okay. They seem to be omnipresent.
3: Is YNAB here right now? We're doing a Ouija board. We're like, why Do you see
4: Do
2: you see you YNAB in the right room now?
3: right now? Is YNAB here right now? Okay. Hi, Gabby and Mal. Been obsessed with this show since Gabby started it way back in 2016. Always try to listen on the day it drops, but occasionally life happens and I'm sorry. Just wanted to echo what the listener said about tiller money. I'm not technically diagnosed with ADHD, but I think I am one of the many undiagnosed women who have it. Anyway, I love it, and it is the only budgeting tool that has worked for me. It has also made budgeting with my partner so easy. We started having monthly budgeting meetings, one hour max, and pizza and beer required to make sure no one is hangry. And it has changed the game on our finances. That's really cute. I
4: wish we did something like that.
3: We can. We don't have really combined finances at all.
4: Yeah, we don't. Well, we have the one joint account, but we just put money in there for the mortgage Mm -hmm. and only that amount. Yeah.
3: I'm scared. I don't want to combine finances. Is that okay?
4: Yeah, I would say that's probably a good idea.
3: <laughs> okay. Great. We agree. No pizza and beer required.
4: Yeah, I don't know about us, but I I think the ideal for me I feel like would be to to have everybody has their own finances, but then there is like maybe a joint account for different like household sure. expenses and stuff that, Okay. But I'm bad. I, I
3: pay a lot of stuff on credit cards and then I pay the credit cards at the end of the month.
4: Oopsies. Why are you bad? Oh, I do the same I don't thing.
3: Know, Cause I wouldn't be able to like put that. I wouldn't be able to put like money into a joint account because I would, I would just be, I just pay a lot of bills off of credit cards. I also,
4: well, I mean, I pay off my credit cards, but I pay, I pay as much on credit cards as I can. Right. Um, to get the points and then I pay them off. Right. But, uh, in general, I think that's a good, that's a good way to be, you know, mm-hmm. if once people are like married and stuff, it, once you're in it for like the long haul, I guess.
3: Sure. This person says, I also have a friend that is diagnosed ADHD that did an insanely detailed deep dive and trial and error with many budgeting apps. And he now swears by weeklybudgeting.com. Just throwing it out there in case that helps anyone. Love the show. Thank you for all your work, Maggie. Sheher. her. Now, are you here from weeklybudgeting.com? com? <laughs> I trust no one anymore.
4: No, it's Maggie Fish. Our episode
3: with Maggie Fish about uh, The Shining and horror movies for Halloween.
4: That was a fun one.
3: That was a fun one. Go back and listen to it. This is the future. We're talking to you from the past.
4: We're talking to you from the past. The past. Yes.
3: Okay. Good afternoon, Gabby, and probably Mal. I'm a long time. Hi. I'm a longtime listener and fan from back in your BuzzFeed days. I'm also non-binary, she, they, bisexual, and bipolar, a wonderful trio of buys. It's nice to see myself represented in the industry of financial advice media. Thank you so much. Throughout my adult life, I have fluctuated between fiscal responsibility and wild spending, like a true bipolar individual. In the Navy, I saved thousands on deployment only to get back home and spend it all, mostly on hotel rooms, in a matter of months. You got to finish that story. Anyway, okay. What does that mean? Okay. In college, I was responsible for a time, then had a manic episode after a breakup where I racked up thousands in credit card debt only to dig my way out. I graduated in 2012. Then I had a baby, experienced postpartum psychosis, recovered, took a job making commissions selling life insurance isn't for everyone, racked up another 5K in credit card debt, and finally settled into a nice job for the state I live in, working in grants and management, which I love. I know you will read this all if you choose to, so I will get to the point. I'm in a good, stable place with my career and working on paying debts and saving money for a house. My partner owns our current home, but with the baby, it's time to upgrade. She's two, and we want to be in our forever home, or at least until retirement, before she starts school. In getting serious about my finances, I want to be a good financial role model to my daughter, but also my young coworkers as my bosses to me. Every day before work, I pack my breakfast and lunch for the day. As much as I'd like to order out sometimes, I diligently pack lunch and occasionally treat myself. I have a coworker in her 20s and one about 30 who is saving for her own house. Thinking about how my habits might influence others helps encourage me to make better financial choices every day. Loving your show. Keep up the good work. Best, Andy, she, they. You know
4: what's funny is like mm. that is something I, I literally would never notice if my coworker ordered in or brought their lunch.
3: I would. I don't notice well, stuff like that. I want to tell you a sad thing mm. is that I worked at a women's magazine mm-hmm. and I worked in the IT department. Mm-hmm. and. Our de- but all of our desks were near each other. I noticed that I would go out and get lunch every day and come back and none of the other women ate. Oh, well, yeah,
4: I would notice in, in that regard. Yes, I would probably notice that. Um, it, was, it
3: took me like a couple weeks to notice it. And then I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. I know. Isn't that sad?
4: It's sad that I am not like surprised by that culture in a mm-hmm. place of work. But mm-hmm. I'm not. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm not surprised by that.
3: Yeah. Um, well, that's not really what Andy's email was about, but that's just something sad that happened to me at a job, <laughs> or well, that that's what I this, noticed at a job.
4: That's what this podcast is.
3: It just it's kind like of some money
4: journalism, and then like our own rambling.
3: Yeah, uh, Andy, this was really relatable—the bipolar aspect of it. So, thank you for writing that in.
4: You know how in like twelve-step programs, they're like, you need a higher power or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck like I do think sometimes people need sort of an external motivation Mm -hmm. um so I think if (laughs) if it's helping you to you know be like I'm I'm acting as a role model for my coworkers, then it doesn't really matter if they're noticing or not
3: (laughs) yeah I love that here's an here's an email from Deirdre hey Gabby and Mal listening to the episodes this season which I'm loving has made me wonder if you might consider doing an episode on the cost of chronic illness As I mentioned in a past email, I have endometriosis along with some other chronic conditions. And while I've never calculated the costs, I know it impacts my finances on many levels. I think many people might not be aware of how costly chronic illness can be within the flawed U.S. healthcare system. And with long COVID on the rise, it's something that can impact more and more people. I learn a ton from you all the time and appreciate all that you are doing to raise awareness about finances and also about social and political issues that are deeply entwined with capitalism. Also, the more queer podcasts, the better. Thanks for all you do, Deirdre, she, they. Yes, we should do a chronic illness episode because, well, actually, why don't we do it kind of like cost of transition? If you have a chronic illness, write in to GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com and uh, tell me what the costs are. Let's do a similar one to cost of transition.
4: I have somebody who would be good to interview.
3: Yeah, tell them to write in. Do you want to hear an email about vasectomies? You don't have a choice.
4: Hi, Gabby and
3: Mal. After listening to the recent mailbag discussion on IUDs, I want to give a big shout out to vasectomies. I love my two beautiful children very much, three years old and six months old, but I definitely don't want to have any more, so I got a vasectomy.
4: Ooh, you got a handful right now. (laughs) Sounds kind of like my nieces. Three years years and
3: and six months. It cost only New Zealand dollars, $550. It was the quickest I have ever been in and out of any medical appointment. At the clinic reception, I wrote my name down on a clipboard. I didn't even have the chance to take a seat in the waiting room before the doctor welcomed me into the surgery room. He told me to remove my pants and lay down while administering a local anesthetic. He made some small talk asking about my job, what a typical work day for me is like. I barely got past talking about eating breakfast and the procedure was over. Doctor told me to call him if there was any issues and I was free to go. I was in and out in about 15 minutes, dead ass. The procedure itself was less painful than a typical dental checkup. I rested for the next two days, icing my balls, which were a bit tender. I had to take ibuprofen and avoid heavy lifting for a week. Three months after the vasectomy, I will give a semen sample to a lab to confirm it definitely worked as intended. Vasectomies oh no.
4: are v- <laughs> It doesn't work.
3: I know. I think that's happened to some people. Vasectomies are very safe since they last a lifetime, extremely cheap, and other than total abstinence, are the most reliable form of contraception. With current vasectomy techniques, it is even possible to reverse the procedure if you decide you want children in the future. Vasectomies have no effect on sex drive, erections, or hormones. For any betesticled people who are done with reproduction, a vas- this person's writing is so funny. A vasectomy is an excellent choice of contraception. It's also nice that my wife doesn't have to suffer the side effects of an IUD or hormonal contraceptives. Let's go vasectomy. Mm, snip, snip, baby. P.S. I always love the show, Ferg.
4: Team vasectomy. Wow. You know. I was just watching, I'd be curious your, your take, your ethical take on this. Go on. I I was just watching the uh, cinematic classic, the Gilmore girls Uh and uh, Melissa McCarthy's character is named Suki and um, Suki has a baby. Mm
3: -hmm. And
4: while she's in the hospital, her husband, Jackson comes in Mm -hmm. and she's like, you're getting a vasectomy. And he's like, what? No. And then she's like, oh yes, you are. I'm not doing this again. And he's like, all right, fine. And then they whisk him away and they give him a vasectomy. Thoughts?
3: <laughs> Why is it always, <laughs> it's so tied to masculinity. Like anytime you see that on a show, it's like the guy is like, no, I don't want to, I want masculinity, I want- I'm a wow. man or okay. whatever. Wow, okay,
4: that is so interesting. I took exactly the opposite from that. I was like, nobody should, uh, to- should pressure their partner into a medical procedure. No, that they don't absolutely want to have.
3: not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I agree with you. But I just think there's like this masculinity aspect to it that like, isn't true. But then you know what I've seen on the flip side, I had an ex who fucks a lot. And uh, he got a vasectomy. And he I think he did it because it's like freeing. He's like, great. Now I can go and do whatever I want. No problem.
4: If, if I was
3: if I had a penis, I would do it in five seconds.
4: Here's My thought on that. If you're hooking up with random guys, right? I don't trust these guys. Like, like men That's true.
3: He should should still be wearing a condom. He should still be wearing a condom. I
4: mean, do you know how many times, like, somebody on like an app has been like, Oh no, no, I, I don't have social media, but, um, you know, cause like, I'll be like, a, you know, before meeting up, I need to like verify that you're a real person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh no, I, I don't have any social media. I, I'm, it's, I'm just like weird that way. That means like,
3: they're married. Or something.
4: Yeah. Or something. One time a guy was like, sure. Do you want to come over? And then texted me and was like, my boyfriend's going to watch too. And I'm like, what boyfriend? You didn't mention a boyfriend. Like, you, like, yeah. there's no way, you know, when, when COVID was happening, um, the, like, originally, <laughs> yeah. when, when COVID first became a thing, there was no vaccine. There were no tests. There were no tests.
3: I know this the, story. The guys
4: on Grindr were like trying to get, come on over. One guy was like, they, they, and they all were like, yeah, I've been tested for COVID. And I'm like, we're in New York. There is a dearth of tests. There's zero chance unless Isn't you're there, a doctor. Wasn't
3: there someone who was like, I have, I'm vaccinated and they're like, wasn't a vaccine. <laughs>
4: He was like, I get tested for COVID regularly for my job. I was like, what's your job? He's like, I work in a restaurant. I'm like, that's not true. At that time... There the only tests available were for like emergencies or doctors. Like there's they were not regularly giving tests to like
3: Okay. Yes. So you if a guy (laughs) was like, No, I've had a vasectomy, don't worry, you would be like, Yeah, right. Especially
4: because of how many of them because I'm very strict on condom use. I can't tell you how many like, you know, when you're like, Yeah, sorry, my hard boundaries are like condoms and blah 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 they're like cool 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 yeah i'm cool with all that and then they'll be like but like i do have plan b so like would you consider like blah blah blah. blah, blah. you know what i mean like they always try to like no no pun intended slip it in that and is so, so
3: funny because like are they gonna watch you take it you know what i mean like how do they know
4: they don't give a shit <laughs>
3: They'll give a shit. Believe me, they'll give a shit when they have to pay child support. I'll tell you what. They're not thinking of
4: it like that because... Well, they should be. I know. That's the other thing. And
5: like, I've started saying that. I'm like, well, it's STD. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch money. Mint users are turning to Monarch money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch money. It is very stressful, confusing, and time-consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps, they don't really work, like, you know, I was very committed to Mint and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now, I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements, I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances, you can collaborate on your budget, you can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y. Slash bad money for your extended 30 day free trial.
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my reward tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit
1: card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
4: These whatever, and then I'm like, you know, also I, I can still get pregnant, probably, whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. all I'm saying is that if I was on an app and a dude was like, we don't have these condoms," I've had a vasectomy, I'd be like, okay. That I love that for you. We will still be using, like you know. I
3: do agree with you though <laughs> that you should never pressure your partner into a medical procedure. I may have been wrong there. I'm right. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Okay. I mean, you
4: didn't you didn't see the scene. You know what I mean? So yeah. You, you well, were just right going in, off. Let
3: of... us know what you guys think. Thanks, Berg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is from Tom. He him. Hi, Gabby and or Mal. I wanted to write in regarding the discussion in the last mailbag episode about the idea of a parent buying their child's debt and the child paying the parents back instead. Over the pandemic, my sister got herself into some debts due to not working full-time hospitality. It wasn't a huge sum of money, but it was high interest and it was more than she could pay. My parents and I agreed to get together and pay off her debt and she would pay us back over time interest-free. This has worked out pretty well for us all. My sister is debt-free and has paid us all back. We gave caveats, though, when we agreed to pay her debt. She would have to create a budget and stick to it. I went through her bank statements with her to help her understand where her money was going and where she could save a bit of money. I know this isn't a solution for a lot of people and not everyone has family who's willing to do it. We could only manage it because it wasn't a large amount and there was three of us. I just wanted to share our experience as a family who did buy someone's debt. Thanks for your entertaining and informative podcast, Tom. P.S. After the IUD discussion, don't forget the arm implant is also a longer term solution that doesn't involve messing with the cervix. All right. I, I stand corrected on the parents buying debt. Fine. I stand corrected.
4: That's nice. It sounds like they all came around like like the penguins, you know, when the penguins surround the other penguin until they get better. I don't know? know about that. When I, a penguin
3: is sick, other penguins surround it to get better?
4: Yeah, I read it. I read it in a Matthew Perry interview.
3: <laughs> what is this show? What is this show? Who are we?
4: I have ADD. Okay. Um, you want to know something about the arm implant? What? This harkens back to the last mailbag when I was talking about my health class in high school. Yeah. So they're talking about different types of uh contraception, right? And they're talking about how you can get like the, the arm shot or whatever. And yeah. that's like you can have the horn whatever. And then they're talking about the ring. The ring, the ring, the ring. Uh-oh. And so well, I assumed it was a ring like oh, on no. your finger.
3: <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God when
0: i was oh like god. 14 and a
4: half 15 i was like oh is it like a ring oh they can put it in your arm they can put it on your finger I- anyway oh it's god. not it goes oh in your god. vagina oh my god or your cervix
3: oh my god
4: where does the ring go i don't know somewhere
3: in your cervix i don't know i had the ring for a hot minute and it gave me migraines so who knows but it yeah, could that, be a good the ring o- was
4: be- all the rage for a minute
3: it was right yeah anyway <laughs> here we go anonymous Hi, Gabby. I have so many thoughts on selling Sunset and the real estate industry more generally. I've had a weird life. I've done a lot of things. For nearly six years, I worked at a multifamily brokerage doing research and marketing for brokers. Multifamily is considered commercial real estate, not residential. Basically, the brokers were helping landlords buy and sell apartment buildings. So, you know, I have thoughts on landlords too, but that's for another time. Commercial brokerage is the land of mostly mediocre white men. There are a lot of reasons for this. Most brokers don't make any money their first year, so you have to be someone who is comfortable working for free for a while. A lot of brokerages also have this weird thing where they were only hire people who played sports in college, mostly frat bros. I really don't understand that. And then there's the whole, you remind me of myself when I was a lad, thinking that every broker with any power inevitably perpetuates. All of this especially sucks when you realize what the commission on an entire apartment building is. You'd think I would be too sick of real estate to watch Selling Sunset, Let me tell you something. I love selling Sunset. It is genuinely great to see these women making crazy commissions working in an industry where those usually go to frat boys who can barely use a computer. It was also great to be able to poke fun at things that reminded me of my old office, like the bell. But I will say I'm genuinely worried about some things they put on TV. I don't know much about residential real estate, but they have openly done things that would get you in trouble with licensing and commercial real estate, not to mention clients. For instance, brokers double end deals all the time. That means the buyer and seller are represented by agents at the same brokerage. But there are things you have to be careful of when you're doing that. If you're representing a seller, you absolutely cannot say, here's the lowest offer I think my client will accept, to your bud representing the buyer. That is not in the best interest of your client, which is especially bad when your client is the seller. They do this all the time on Selling Sunset, and every time I wonder if everything is fake or if they're constantly paying to settle lawsuits. I hope you continue to watch the show because it is truly bonkers. I
4: was going to say, maybe it's state-to-state regulations. I don't know.
3: Thank you for putting out such fun and informative episodes every week. I'm sorry this wasn't novel. Keep this anonymous. I did not know that you're not allowed to do that, although it makes total sense that you're not allowed to do that. I also, I know that we bought a house where the real estate agent was the same as for us and the sellers, but But, now, but I don't know why you would sell. I don't know. I guess it's unavoidable.
4: I guess I was more involved, I guess, in the buying of the house. I don't know, but we experienced this.
3: Yes, I know we did.
4: But you're, but you're saying that you didn't know that they couldn't tell you, but we, we experienced this. She couldn't tell us. And it was like a thing.
3: I, yes.
4: (laughs) You don't remember? No. Yeah, she she um they all they can do is tell you that they think the the listed price is fair and all mm, that they and the, all they can I remember do that like for example if she gets another offer she she can't tell you like she can't be like this is what the other offer was right. like she, all she can say is I got another offer. I remember and- this. Yeah, so it's like all these um whatever
3: rules, regulations. Mm. I wonder if they Although yeah. you know what wasn't in
4: the regulation um telling us someone had died there 6 months prior.
3: Thanks for that. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. But yes, I do remember that. I was there when we bought our house. That does make me wonder if things are fake or if people, maybe people watching just don't know that, but I got to think a lot of real estate agents watch it.
4: The But I think the uh, buyers and sellers would be displeased by that. Right?
3: That's what I would think. I mean, a lot
4: of reality shows are scripted, um, but well, also- huge, huge if true. Yeah, they just are. Also, maybe like regulations are different in certain states or at certain price points. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of loophole,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
3: So this is an interesting email. Mal's accommodations. Uh-oh. Hi, I'm a special education teacher. Right now I teach students with autism in a self-contained life skills class. I was really excited to hear Mal mention that they had an IEP, individualized education plan in high school, and that they received accommodations that really helped. I would love to hear Mal say that they were a special education student, although I understand if they don't want to. There are so many misconceptions about what SPED is, and most people think it's only for kids with intellectual or physical disabilities, but it's not. SPED is a beautiful rainbow, if you will. Rainbow emoji. There are SPED kids with one or two accommodations. There are SPED kids with all the accommodations. There are nonverbal kids who struggle with learning to communicate with IAs, and there are gifted and talented kids with off-the-charts IQs. I'm working hard in my school community to try to push back against special education stigma. I'd love for you to help me in the fight. Also, it's sad you did not get accommodations until high school. Maybe if more people became aware that they're available and less afraid of stigmatization, more kids will get what they need and deserve to be successful in school as early as possible. Thank you for taking the time to read. I really enjoy the show. Thanks, Sarah. Also, Mal. this is just me, Gabby, speaking. You do not have to identify as anything you don't identify
0: as.
4: Thank you. What's interesting is, you know, who would be a good person to interview if we ever wanted to do a episode on special education Mm -hmm. finances Um, is my mom, because actually my mom was an administrator in the special education department. I wasn't a special education kid. Like I didn't, yeah, I didn't get those accommodations until maybe my sophomore, junior year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, um, I don't don't remember what triggered me finally getting assessed. But before that point, um, I had been diagnosed with ADHD in the third grade. Uh, and I was on medication, but I was just, you know, I was in some general classes. I was in some honors classes, but like I definitely struggled. I didn't have any resource room. I didn't have any um structure. And I think a large part of that is because of the stigma of yep. what being in those programs carry, right? um, Because they knew that I was, and by they, I mean, my parents who actually, I mean, this is kind of fucked up, but they, they were both special education teachers, but we don't have time to get into all that.
3: Oh, it's like when people are a shoemaker, the, the cobbler's son. Yes. Cobbler son has no uh, shoes. Yeah. Yes. I experienced that as well.
4: Yes. So the thing is, I think on some level, um, I mean, they never said this to me, but I think they knew that I would already, they knew I was smart and they knew I would already struggle with teachers Mm -hmm. um because before i went on stigma
3: Mm -hmm.
4: before i went on add medication like i i couldn't like they couldn't read my writing you know what i mean like I, i was illegible they put me on medication and then all of a sudden like people could understand me and whatever. And I did well, but I think that they knew that if I was in special ed programs that I would sort of fall by the wayside. And th- and that is like kind of a, I mean, that's my assumption. I don't know. I mean, my that's mom- That's the worked,
3: whole point. Yeah. My
4: mom worked damn hard to like work with parents and teachers and like, she was really good at her job. Um I don't- But I the also, stigma I,
3: is so big.
4: It is. And I don't know that I would have done well in the resource rooms in my public school. From what I saw of what went on in there, I I don't think I would have responded well. But you know what I mean? I didn't even have talk therapy. All I had was fighting. All I had was fighting with my parents and fighting with myself and Mm -hmm. feeling crazy. And like, all I had was music and my friends and like, it was just a miserable time. Um, Yeah. But
3: And you would have felt more isolated maybe.
4: I guess. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing is like when they put me in more challenging classes, right? When they put me in, in like the AP English class, for example, like I excelled there. I don't know. It's, it's hard mm-hmm. to explain, but yeah, I think you're definitely right that there's like a huge stigma um with special ed and uh, there's some great programs and great teachers and some not so great teachers. And like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I definitely identify as somebody who has like, a learning disability or just a disability, I guess, which is mm-hmm. taken years and years because technically I guess ADHD isn't a learning disability. I don't know. When they assessed me, they're like, you don't technically have a learning disability because ADHD isn't a learning disability,
1: mm.
4: but I don't know. It, feels, it feels like a disability at this point in my life.
3: Oh, honey. <laughs> I, don't, oh, honey. I don't know. But anyway, that's okay. thank
4: you for your email. I wish I had a, a teacher like you. I, listen, I had some good teachers. I, I really want to, I have had some great teachers um, and I really excelled with them. You know, I had my teacher in third grade, who's the one that flagged to my parents that I probably had ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really liked her. I really liked her classes. I had, uh, you know, my AP English teacher, Dr. Wilson. He still, he still comes to my shows sometimes. Uh... I had another English teacher. Ms. Strife being in her class was like pure joy. I mean, are you even gay if you don't have like um, kindly English teachers that you imprinted (laughs) onto like baby bird, you know, like
3: it's so true. (laughs) It's so true. And social studies, it's English, social studies and art teachers. Those are the ones
4: I didn't like my social studies teachers. I had one I liked, but she was also my volleyball coach. And then I quit volleyball because I was having gender issues. I just struggled my whole fucking yeah,
3: time. Yeah, baby. Oh, <laughs> baby. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's get into some reviews to finish it up.
4: Yeah, sorry. This is
3: a five-star review. No, I appreciate your vulnerability. I love it. This is a five-star Apple review from Blah Blah Amanda. Listen to it. absolutely love this show. From the host to the input from the listeners, I learned so much and hear so many different valuable perspectives. I wish that I had found this podcast years ago. I'm going back and listening to old episodes and will be so sad when I run out of episodes to listen to. I love the addition of Mal. They are delightful. I also love Gabby's screaming and screeching. There are more than enough podcasts with monotone hosts. Booyah.
4: <laughs> That's right. Booyah. That's right.
3: Okay. Five stars. Hey, it's Jude. Is this the same Jude? Is this the same Jude? Okay. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Gabby and Mal are the best. Mailbag episodes are my favorite because of the different topics listeners bring up. It helps me know what topics have been covered so I can go back to check them out. Also, regarding the screaming review, yes, we can hear you, but it also cracks me up every time you do it. Booyah! Double (laughs) booyah! Okay, are you ready to defend yourself, Mal Blum?
4: Oh, God.
3: Final one. (laughs) No, I'm ready to
4: go die on a hill. (laughs) Two stars! Two
3: stars! Alessandra de Lampedusa, which, by the way, I looked up who you are, Alessandra, and it's a fake name. Okay. Oh, it's not a real person? It's the name of a historical figure. Okay.
4: What historical figure?
3: It was, who is she? German psychoanalyst.
4: Oh, good. Uh, Traditionally love something Jewish people love.
3: (laughs) She was instrumental in the reorganization of the Italian Psychoanalytics Society after World War II. I don't know mm, what that after is. After World War
4: II. What was she doing during World War II, I wonder?
3: Yeah, not a long Wikipedia page. So uh-huh.
4: Yeah, un- okay. Unclear. A German psychoanalyst during World War II. Great great name to choose. Go well, on.
3: Now, hold on. <laughs> uh, the title is Anti-Money Laundering Laws. It's not that banks are not progressive, but Mal's stated objective to change names in an account without paperwork is lazy or naive at best. It's not personal. Do the legal work and paperwork and the rest will follow. Banks are regulated entities and are beholden to AML laws. You know who wrote this? A fucking cis person. Obviously. A fucking cis person. You know who's not lazy or naive? People who are trans who live in this fucking world and who have to do so much to do the most basic shit.
4: Also, they're just wrong. If that were true, then I would have gotten a uniform policy and answer from every bank. But you are wrong.
3: Triple booyah
4: sorry but you are and i you know what let me tell you what another thing how about if you have to pay money and go through all of your active ids and change everything in order for people to like not call you like marissa like despite whatever your name is then like then come talk to me about being lazy
3: you didn't even use your real name to leave this review
4: yeah how about we charge you $300 for that
3: I'm gonna charge you $300 for leaving this review with a fake name unless you really are Alessandro Lampadosa but that person's dead in
4: which case you need to answer for where you were during World War II
3: (laughs) (laughs) okay I would love to hear from you but not you Be sure to send me an email at GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voicemail if you prefer. Join our online communities too. We're on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Patreon, and Facebook. Links to all of these will be listed in the episode description. Don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops. We can get on the charts and spread the word. Also, every episode has a transcript. I don't know if you guys know that. But you can go and look at the transcript for the episodes. You can read the episodes if you want. Also, we want to do an episode about scams. So please write in and send me your scams. Have you been scammed? Do you scam? Um, Mal, what say you?
4: I'm Mal Blum on uh, everything, M-A-L-B-L-U-M. Please go look up my music if you like. I stand by some of it.
3: I too stand by some of my music. Okay, love you guys. Bye.
0: (laughs) Done